We're not ashamed of the gospel, amen? It's the power of God unto salvation, the Bible says. That's why we're not ashamed. Well, glad to have you here this morning. I pray that, uh, like I said, we will leave differently than we walked in here this morning. We've been spending weeks on the life of David, and uh, we're in our 13th week now. And rather than just go all through the leadership nuggets that I have in the past, I've just kind of looked at each aspect of David's life and just really tried to transition them into our lives and make them real for us, Well, how the principles that he walked in might be real for us today. And today we're going to do things just a little bit different. Um, I'm going to read 39 verses of Scripture to start off today about the life of David, but just to bring us up to speed here. King David is on the run. Saul is trying to kill him. He's been praying to the Lord about whether he should stay or go in certain cities. And the last time we saw that David was told to get out of town, to get out of Dodge, that if he stayed in that city, that Saul would find him and um, would kill him, that the people would actually hand him over to Saul. And so we saw how David's life was still on the run in tune with God. And then last week we saw that Saul, while pursuing David, ended up going into this cave to take care of his business which we paraphrased last week, is going number two (laughs) in a cave. And David's men said that, listen, Saul's in this cave, and he's been delivered into your hands. We can take him right now. And David went in, and not only did he not kill him, he just cut the piece of his robe off. And later on, when Saul was down again below the cliffs, David held up the piece of his robe and said, I could have killed you, and I didn't. And Saul said to him, you are a better man than I, that I was trying to kill you, and while you could have killed me, you spared my life, and basically said that you're the one that's after God's own heart, and that himself, he was not. Now, we would have hoped during that time that it would have changed Saul's heart and changed everything, but that's not what happened. Saul continued to pursue David, even after that moment, to try to kill him. So David goes on the run again, and we're going to pick it up. In verse 25, 1 to 39, and we're going to learn about a woman by the name of Abigail today. So here we go. I know it's kind of hard sometimes to track the whole time, but for these 39 verses, let's just pay attention. Um, Matter of fact, a little while ago, I just read a bunch of Bible because we learned that in times past, oftentimes when people would gather, there wouldn't even be a sermon. They would just read Scripture. And we saw why that was so powerful. You know, Men mess things up. (laughs) But when you can read a good chunk of Scripture, what I'm about to read here, other than just some pronunciations I might mess up, nothing's going to be messed up because this is God's Word. (laughs) So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. So we might get into that later on, but Samuel the prophet died here, and he was a great man of God and a great leader, prophet in Israel. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. And when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, 
David sent 10 young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while that we were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke with Nabal according to these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword and about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, no one consider what you will do, for harm is determined against your master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seals of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on the donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed all of the days, all that belonged to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let my Lord not regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be his neighbor. And so here's what's happening is David took care of the shepherds in the field. And on the feast day, he sent some of his young men down to the owner of these sheep and the boss over all these young men to get some supplies. And David's men went down and asked Nabal for that and said, we've taken care of all your sheep. Please do what is kind in your eyes. And not only did Nabal not give him anything, but he basically cursed him. 
And when David heard about it, he was furious. He mounted up his men and said, we're going to go down there and kill every male that's there. Nabal will not have an offspring. And when Abigail's wife found out what was going on, she ran out to meet David to try to stop him. And here she's speaking in faith, saying, now that you've been withheld from bloodshed, she was taking a big leap of faith here, not only for her own life, but she was also basically just saying the Lord, like what she felt the Lord would want and saying that David, the Lord has kept you from bloodshed. And all of a sudden, you're going to see David come into agreement with that. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offense of my heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. So again, just what I said, she went and she basically speak the word of the Lord to him. And she knew who David was and was saying that she knew that Saul was avenging him, but that the Lord was with David and please forgive this situation. And that she brought him in an offering and she blessed and prophesied over him that he would be well with the Lord and that he would come to fruition in his calling and what God had called him to do. And so here the situation is, David is on his animals and she is bowed before them. And there's an army about to go in and kill every male in her household. And Abigail is on her face prophesying and asking David for mercy. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is the advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nabal and there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much until the morning light. So it was in the morning when wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. Then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servants from evil. For the Lord has returned wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. <laughs> so this is a pretty cool story. I keep telling everybody they should turn the TV off once in a while and get rid of those romance novels and stuff and start reading the Bible because there's some good stuff in there. There's lots of violence, lots of romance, lots of stuff going on. So here's what took place. And I'm just going to walk through this quickly. I'm going to share a couple of things. And I'm just going to let it sit on you guys to do what you guys want to do with it in your own lives. So I look at this event and the first thing that I see is a fool. And the fool is Nabal. Nabal was so high on himself, 
so content with what he had already, his little kingdom, and all he could think about was himself. To the point where when somebody was good to him and good to his servants and came down to just ask for a favor, not only did he not give him a great favor, but he spoke ill of him, cursed him, made fun of him. Somebody that had done well to him, he had just ridiculed. The fool. Second thing I see in this event is an offense. So David's men go back and say what Nabal had done, and immediately what takes place is David gets into offense. He's mad. He's mad. I took care of this guy's men. We're out in the field, and no one could come and touch them, and we protected them, and we hung out with them, and we were their protection, their security, and we were good to them. We treated them well. We protected them. We deserve favor. And all we get is ridicule. And so you could imagine what was going on in this moment. Does this dude know what I am capable of? I was nice to him and he paid niceness with ridicule. Does this man know? Well, he's going to know. 400 men, get your swords. We're going to go down there and we're going to kill this guy. Not only we're going to kill him, we're going to kill all his offspring. We're going to kill every bit of his name. We're going to take every living male so that the name of Nabal will not go one more generation. He's done. So David's offense turned to anger. Then anger turned to revenge. All the while, while David, according to the scenario that had just taken place, could have been absolutely right and absolutely justified in what he was about to do. So I see a fool who offends a man he should have never offended. I see a man who's offended getting into anger and then wanting revenge and on his way down to kill Nabal and all his offspring. Then I see this woman named Abigail. She hears from her men what's going on. She goes, my Lord, what has my husband done? I'm sure some of you can relate. What has my husband done? She grabs a bunch of offering together, runs out to David, falls on her face and speaks words of wisdom to this man who's coming down to kill her husband and all her offspring. Speaks words of wisdom, speaks in kindness to this person, speaks merciful to the person, David, while also seeking mercy. And when I read this story, I think, is there anything more powerful than the grace of a woman? Stopped 400 men in their tracks. She didn't go out there and point the finger in David's chest and say, hey, you've got to come through me to get here. The grace of a woman was so powerful, it stopped 400 men full of their weapons, ready to kill in their tracks. So David stops, thanks the woman, God avenges the situation without David having to do anything. And then David calls for Abigail to be his wife. Now, why did he call for her to be his wife? Well, the Bible talked about Abigail very briefly. He said she was beautiful. I mean, that was one of the reasons. He saw her, obviously, and the Bible remarks on how beautiful she was. But David was David, man. And David knew where he was headed. He could have had any beautiful woman he wanted. And you're going to see later on in the scripture, he had some beautiful women he shouldn't have taken. But it wasn't just about beauty. Why did David call for her and take her out of that situation after her husband died? He had experienced 
the power of grace. And I stopped at this, and this just landed on today. This is just one of these sermons that landed on today as I'm going through this book. And I sat there and I thought, how many wars may have been missed? Homes that have stayed together because of the grace of a woman. Now our take, what do we take from this? First of all, let me talk about fools. All of us are going to encounter fools in our lives. We might have encountered fools this week. All of us are going to encounter fools that are going to rub us the wrong way, that we're going to be nice to, and they're not going to be nice back. We're going to be good to people, and they're going to be mean back to us. And we're all going to go through that in life. And we're going to have this right, you know. That's what happens. Now, on the other side of that, all of us have been and will continue to be neighbors ourselves. We will be the fools in life. Yeah. We get in a bad mood, we treat people poorly. Our emotions get up, our stress gets too high, too many things on our plate, we don't act right. My goodness, we can get so crazy that somebody cuts us off on the street and our minds want to torture them and kill them. Can't even control ourselves as fingers are flying up and words are coming out of our mouths. You know what the Bible calls that? Fool. It calls us fools. And we can be those navels in life. And we will, we've been those navels and we will be those fools in life. So you can turn to your neighbor and say, I hate to say it, but you're a fool. <laughs> so we will encounter fools in our lives and we will be them in our lives. Without question, understand that. Secondly, offense. When we meet these, some of these fools, offense will come. Or when we're being some of those fools, offense will come to those people. And sometimes we will be justified in our offense. We will be like David and say, listen, I didn't deserve this. I've been like this. I treated you like this. I treated this situation like this. I don't deserve this coming back to me. I've had enough. Boom. Whatever that boom is. Whether it's a literally a boom or whether it's a voice or whether it's a whatever it is or you know what it is. But offense will come and we will be mad. And when we're justified, we feel like we're justified in lashing back in our lives. It's going to happen. And then there's going to be times where it's not justified. Like I said, we're just having bad days, you know, bad months, bad years. And all of a sudden, everybody's making us mad. All of a sudden, we're going to be start being offended by everything. Not justified. So fools are going to come to us. We're going to be fools. We're going to get offended in life, and we're going to offend people in life. And when we're offended, we're going to get angry, and we're going to want retribution. But here's the thing. When I look at David, Nabal was the number one fool. But I also have to question if David was the number two fool initially. Because he even said in his statement, thank you for withholding me from doing this. You know what? Let me paraphrase that. Abigail, I was about to be a fool. Thank you. Proverbs 14.29 says this. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding. He who is impulsive exalts folly. Let's read that in the Amplified. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is hasty of spirit 
exposes and exalts his folly. Another translation simply says, he who is slow to anger has good understanding. He who is hasty is a fool. Is a fool. So, we're going to do the offending. We're going to be offended. And sometimes we're going to end up in anger. But what we need to understand is there is a righteous anger in the Scripture. But let's be honest with ourselves. Very few times do we end up in the righteous anger. Right? We just end up mad. And the Bible tells us that talking about anger, it's better to come across a mum bear with her cubs than a fool in his folly. I don't want to be that bear, you know? I don't want to be that one that is so offended all the time, so angry all the time. Does anybody agree with me there? It's all of us. It truly is. And so there's fools, there's offense. And then lastly, for our own lives, the power of Abigail, I say the power of a peacemaker. A peacemaker. Matthew 5.9 says it plain and simple. Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they shall be called the sons of God, or the daughters of God. Blessed are the peacekeepers. That's the mouth of Jesus right there. Those words are supposed to be written in red. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know who the most valuable people on earth in the kingdom of God are? Those who have the ability to make peace. Those who have the ability to take bridges that are broken and rebuild them. And I want to be better at that in my life. I've come across a few people in my life where, where they're just so amazing in this area. Where their whole being just wants to see restoration and wants to see people be mended and put back together and where bridges are burned. They're the first ones who want to reconnect people. And, and I want to be more like that. I want to be more like that. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil, is the accuser of the brethren. I don't want to be the one separating people. I don't want to be the one pushing people apart. I want to be the one pulling people together. And you know how we have to do that? Number one is we got to stay out of offense. we got to trust that if something is truly legit, that God will do the revenging if need be. And not to pray for God to do the revenge. Right? That's us being in the wrong spirit. Oh, you know, and you know you'd love to pray sometimes, God, kill that person. <laughs> but that's the wrong spirit. We need to just, Lord, the situation's beyond me. And I'm too mad and too offended to even figure out what should happen. But you're God. And I'm going to walk and I'm going to try to be a peacemaker no matter what. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they are the children of God. Man, I pray an Abigail spirit comes on us this morning. One that goes out risking her own life to bring peace to a situation. Knowing God enough that she knows what he would want in the situation. Not only saving her family and everything around from a massive slaughter and her servants from a massive slaughter, but saving David from a bad report. Saving David from the rumors going out that the future king of Israel got mad at some guy and went and slaughtered his whole family for basically no reason because he was offended. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
And I'm going to end there with one side note. A lot of times when you look at this story, Abigail is seen as the intercessor between even God and man. Sometimes people look at that prophetically that way. And I want to tell you, not only do you need to be the peacemaker, we need to be the ones praying and interceding for peace around us, for the friends and loved ones to come to Christ, for wrecked marriages to be solid, for friendships that have gone away to come back, for people to come into our midst, for us to build a community that's good to each other, that loves one another, treats each other well, even when we're mad and ticked off and being fools and being offended that there's still enough people in our midst of peacemakers to make sure the kingdom of God grows and people don't end up doing foolish things. Did you get something out of this morning? I know it was a real different preach this morning, but did you get something out of that this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be peacemakers. Help us, Lord, that no matter who it is that's being the fool, whether they're close to us or whether they're far away from us, whatever it is, that our road will be the road of peace. God, that we will have an anointing and we will have the desire and we will have the blessing to turn offense, turn evil to good. Lord, help us to be that. Lord, help us to look at things differently. Help us, Lord, when we're wanting to go, yes, David's right, let's go kill them, to say, hey, 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 wait a minute here. There's a better outcome here. Lord, let us desire mercy above justice. God, I pray for every person in here and the situations they're in. I know everybody's got different relationships going on. There's different dynamics and there's people that hate each other and there's people that have fights and there's things going on in every person and their families and their friends. And right now, Lord, we just ask you for peace to come to that in the situation. And Lord, wherever possible, may we be able to be part of that plan and be the peacemakers. Lord, teach us not to gossip and cause strife. Teach us to only edify and bring grace to the hearers. May our voice and our speech always be seasoned with salt. Lord, from this moment forward, may it forever be changed. In the name of Jesus, amen.